the world is facing a food crisis. And with populations soaring and climate change ravaging our crops, we're going to have to start thinking smarter. Is it time to think about the rakukaracha? Is it time to get over our squeamishness? Is it time to embrace what people in about 90 countries already know? That insects are sustainable and nutritious and they're a pretty perfect form of protein. That's what I've been told. Has, can you tell me if that's been your situation? one three hundred triple two seven twenty. What insects have you eaten and why? Out of dire need? Or maybe you're on the Atkins insect-only protein diet. Dr. Dave Merritt has spent a lifetime studying little critters. He's an entomologist at the University of Queensland. Dr. Dave, hello to you. Oh, hi there, Jeff. Now, ever tempted to deep-fry the insects that you study? Well, actually... As an entomologist, um, we uh, for open days at the university, we put on displays for potential students and we include insects as foods as part of these displays. So we have chocolate-coated ants if people are prepared to try them, but I tend to give them out to people rather than eat them myself. Now, now there is, it seems, quite a compelling argument that says, you know, obviously in, in parts of Asia, mm-hmm. um, in large numbers, uh, people do eat insects, uh, be it crickets or lacucarachas or bugs and grubs. Why are they smart enough to realise that they are foods of great protein and and animals of great number, whereas we're squeamish about it. It's probably just an historical thing. Um, If you think about it, we're really not that squeamish. Um, I love prawns. I love lobster. I love crab. They're all arthropods, same as insects. It's just that we have this thing that we're quite ready to eat them if they come out of the ocean, but we don't want to eat them if they're flying around on the land. Now, Dave, can you tell me one insect that tastes anything at all like a Morton Bay... A Morton Bay bug is almost insect-like, but anything that tastes like a crayfish or a decent prawn from Exmouth? Well, I believe mealworms are supposed to be very tasty. Yeah. Um, They're eaten a lot in Asia, but they're they're spiced up. Um, uh, Grasshoppers are supposed to be very nutritious because they've got quite a bit of fat in their body, and so when they're roasted, they're supposed to um, taste pretty good. Now, apparently, deep-fried locust is quite popular if you're in Cambodia, that it's cheap and it's filling and it's quite tasty, and I imagine... There are plenty of them. Um, Is it time that we considered changing our culinary bent here because of the high protein of these creatures? Well, if we put people's sort of um, preconceptions aside, they are a very good source of protein. They're very efficient at at turning plant matter into protein, muscle or fat, that, that that's quite nutritious for us. And, and many Indigenous peoples have, people have discovered this. So they're a, they're a very useful way of getting protein if protein is limited in, in people's diet. Yes, and I think we get back to that compelling question. Do people eat insects out of necessity or because they want to? You'll find that most people who eat insects do so because they're regarded as a delicacy. Um, there are very few people that would... Um, use insects as, as, as one of the basis of their diet. In Southeast Asia, the water bugs are roasted up and they're sold in masses in markets and they're regarded as a, a special treat. Um, in China, many different sorts of insects are consumed there and, and they're really sought out. They even eat maggots there, believe it or not. Yeah, um, I, I have too, but only by accident. Uh, Dr Dave, we are talking about things that are quite small, and I wonder that we'd have to eat quite a lot of them. And, and, and that's the difference, isn't it? That, you know, when we put a big piece of steak 
in a frying pan. We go, that's a big, hefty piece of protein-filled steak. Yeah. Would we need to eat a lot of these insects to, to get the comparable amount? Would we have to have, you know, truckloads to, to get the same benefits of a, well, a nice, leafy piece of spinach? Yeah, well, no, not, 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 that's not the case, really. Insects are, are better balanced than meat. Meat is just primarily protein with a little bit of fat, but because you're eating the whole animal with an insect, you're probably getting a better balanced diet. Now, you just need to eat the equivalent weight of insects as you're eating meat, and it's cheaper to produce large volumes of insects than it is uh, to put cattle on a pasture and grow the cattle to the appropriate age. Oh, when I'm you just trying it. to imagine what that farm might look like, Dr. Yeah. Dave. Yeah, it would, it would be an awful lot of cockroaches or uh, grasshoppers. I think we'd leave the cockroaches behind, actually. You'd need, you'd need a bit of netting and a bit of flywire, wouldn't you? You would, yes, yeah. Do you think we'll ever do it? Look, I, I really doubt it. Um, people's diets are dictated by what they're used to eating. Yeah. You know, I, when I hear of people who are lost in the bush and they're starving to death, if a, an Aboriginal person hears that, they laugh at them because there's food everywhere out in the bush. And if I was starving, I would eat insects. But many people will ne never overcome these these distastes for certain types of food. You're listening to Dr. Dave Merritt, who's an entomologist at the University of Queensland. one three hundred triple two seven twenty. Please, your insect-eating experiences, and don't let it be at the hands of some bully who forced a grasshopper into your mouth when you didn't want to have it. Uh, Dave's talking to us because there has been a bit of a push for us to consider the sustainable and nutritious benefits of eating insects because in a world where we're running out of food to some extent, it, they represent a very valuable source of protein. Now, Dave, I said you're an entomologist, but it's, is it true there is a, there's a name for those who eat insects? Yes, it's called entomophagy, meaning eating insects, yes. Uh, so uh, let's find out if there are any entomophagists out there. Dr. Dave, what are you having for lunch, by the by? Um, I had a meat pie. Did you? <laughs> yes, yes. Well, I think you don't quite practice what, what, what I wanted you to preach anyway. <laughs> nice to talk to you, Dave. Okay, thank you very much. That's Jeff. Dr. Dave Merritt, an entomologist and certainly not a, a, an entomophagist person thingy. Hello, Dave. Oh, good morning. How are you, Dave? Good. I'm going to put a pharmaceutical spin on this. Yeah, go on. Well, I was down at Margaret River in the 70s and there was a very um, forward-thinking hippie. I won't mention his name. People probably know who he was. Big beard, long hair, surfing. And he, he was convinced... Well, that... <laughs> well that's confined it to about 20,000. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah, I'm not going to mention his name because he probably knows who he is. Okay, well, <laughs> unless he's been on the gunja, then he may not know who he is. Can we continue? He, he suggested, and, and, and bear in mind we've got a prevalence of asthma in the modern world with the super cleaning that we do. Yeah. His idea was to uh, eat a fly a day for the immune system. Mm. Okay. Yeah. That's all. I mean, if you want to take that up, go with it. Uh, yeah, eat a fly, choose to eat a fly a day. Well, I just think that's tokenism, David. You're not really improving your uh, immune system, and nor are you doing anything to uh, deal with your appetite. Hello, Peter. Hello, how are you, Jeff? Hello, Peter. You are a bit of an insect eater? Uh, yes. I eat quite a few different types of insects. Tell me, Pete. Um, I do uh, this, uh, things like snails. I mean, many live snails. Um, crickets, cockroaches, spiders, um, witchy grubs, uh, mosquito larvae, flies, all sorts of things. Uh, now, 
Peter, thank yeah. you so much for calling. This is very interesting. Uh, when did you begin this exploration of the garden? When I was a teenager, actually. Yeah? Yeah. And that, now, did you start eating them because you were hungry or you were a bit bored? Just for the fun of it. Just for the fun of it? Mainly to get reactions from my friends. Aha, uh -huh. yes. Well, I yeah. thought it might be a bit of that. Okay, now, uh, which one incurred the greatest... Ugh. Was it um, cockroaches? Cockroaches has that effect on people. Yeah. Um, but a snail, if you get a live snail and you hold it between your fingers yeah. and wait for it to come out of its shell and then you eat it. And you bite its um, little head off. No, just the whole lot at once. Yeah. Yeah, that tends to get the biggest reaction from people. Now, now do you, would you eat these insects because you're hungry? Oh, I suppose so. I mean, I've, eat, I've um, actually gone to a um, restaurant and eaten witchy grubs and paid for them. Yes. When you can find them quite easily Now, what does a grasshopper taste like? Uh, a bit like honey, actually. Like honey. honey. Yeah, because when I was a kid, and I used to see a lot of grasshoppers and tread on the occasional one, you know, there'd be a lot of, you know, green poo come out its 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 bottom, and I think, why would you want to eat that? Um, but they're perfectly okay. Absolutely perfect. Now, if you um, you know how when you're a kid you tend to get some flowers and you suck the nectar out of them? Yes. Oh, that is good. <laughs> With a crunch. You've nearly tempted me. Uh, Peter, um, of late yeah. Simon has contacted the program and says, cockroaches taste like mint. So said my neighbour when he lost a bet. That's about right. Really? Yes, with a crunch. Okay, now you've established your credentials at, yes. <laughs> as an entom <laughs> entomophagist. Yes. Um, would you sit down to a meal of insects, though? Or, or is, 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 is much of this about the shock value of being funny oh, no. Pete, the insect eater? Oh, I'd quite happily sit down to a plate full of gross insects, um, whether even caterpillars, whatever, it doesn't really matter. And it's the same you go down to the beach, like um, your guests the same before, and we eat prawns and shellfish, oysters and mussels and all those sort of things. And I suppose when I was growing up as a, um, a young kid, I'd them out of the, uh, the sand and just eat them straight out of the sea. Yeah. And I really don't see as much difference, my dear. Now, just just final question. Did your mum and dad have any anxious moments? I'd say, where's Pete? And I'd say, he's outside, you know, eating snails and grubs and grasshoppers. Would they just shrug their shoulders? No, we never really got to that point. I'd normally, um, it was normally either, oh, I suppose, at the table or inside somewhere I'd eat them. Um, as I was saying to your uh, roaster, I think it was, there was, on a school camp only two years ago up in the Pilbara. And um, I was eating cockroach, uh, not cockroaches, but uh, crickets and other bugs and so on up there. So I'm showing the kids, look, you know, this is all food, we can eat it. It's not a problem. Now, now Peter, uh, because you're a particularly interesting man and we've just received a text message, one double nine double two seven twenty. we're talking about insects and their protein and their delicious taste. Um, have you ever had any reaction to eating any of these little critters? Never? Never? Ever eaten a spider? Yes. You've got to be careful which spiders you eat. Yeah, so I'm glad but, there's uh, a little bit of a public health warning here. Well, you do. I mean, it's like anything. I, I'd also be reluctant um, just go out and like grab a cockroach from underneath your um, fridge or something if you had cockroach baits around the place because that wouldn't be sensible. <laughs> Peter, after all that, you tell us it wouldn't be sensible to eat a cockroach that's found underneath your fridge. Thank you very much. Uh, one three hundred triple two seven twenty. Would you happily eat insects? Now, you might find this a little bit gross and a bit yucky, but 
you know, I'm not quite sure what the rules are in Australia, but I can tell you that the US Food and Drug Administration allows up to 75 pieces of insect in 55 mils of hot chocolate and up to 60 aphids in a portion of frozen broccoli. Maybe you're eating it anyway. Hello, Lindsay. G'day, Jeff. Tell us about the delights of the... We're nearly lunchtime, Lindsay. Let's let's talk wood maggots yeah, for lunch. Um, my wife and I were up in Cambodia on holiday last, last year and we spent a nice evening wandering around some markets um, eating a bag of wood maggots. And they, just, they tasted like roast almonds. They were really nice. Oh, that's good. And they were dead, weren't they? So they weren't... No, they were. They, been, they weren't wriggling wood maggots. No, no, no. They'd been done in the wok and, and they were fantastic. But what I'm really looking forward to is... Um, Seeing the documentary with them um, mustering cockroaches by helicopter up in the Kimberley. It would be fantastic, <laughs> wouldn't it? And, 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 and then you just get blokes on horses with ropes and things. Yeah. Cockroach wrangler. Lindsay, splendid work. Um, look, um, I've just received a text message from Cassandra. First time ever I've had to turn you off. Come back, Cassandra. Cassandra's friend, tell her to come back and turn the radio on. Not because we've changed subject, because this sounds hilarious. Hello, Ted. Yeah, hi, how you doing? Oh, Ted, I'm waiting <laughs> to hear what your story is. Well, um, just before I do, there used to be a restaurant called Prickles um, that served traditional Australian, you know, like uh, bush tucker yeah. and widgety grubs were on there. Now, I noticed it disappeared a number of years ago, so I'd be keen to find out where such a restaurant is located, if there is one. Well, the, well, the bush tucker business is alive and well yeah. in this country, if mm. not growing at quite the rate. But, Ted, this is not the interesting no, part of your story, I fear. Story, interesting story is there were, a number of years ago there was a, an article in a magazine about mm. a British gent who uh, ate farmed cockroaches and he had his, uh, you know, canine teeth um, uh, sharpened <laughs> and plated so that he could actually bite into the shells. Well, that's pragmatic, if nothing else. <laughs> but they were specially... These are not like the cockroaches you see around here. They were more like beet large beetles, actually, and they um, apparently had, must have had a lot of um, you know substance to, to eat. Yes. So, um, well, you'd want it to be a substantial meal if you're going to go to all those uh, uh, orthodontic means to, 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 to better enjoy them. Absolutely. Ted, thank you. Rod says the guy ate the flies, probably got a buzz out of it. I'm not going to read that out, Rod. Oh, I already have, unfortunately. Uh, Gordon suggests that Peter might be a nutter, and he says that in the nicest possible way, but he also observes that it would be a very cheap dinner date. Hello to you, Randall. Uh, first name is Leroy. Uh, I used to live in Zambia uh, in, in Central Africa years ago, and I used to spend quite a, time, a lot of time out in the villages, the African villages, yep. and I used to eat uh, termites with them. Uh, they, they either eat them raw or they, they fry them, uh, eaten raw, they taste rather nut-like. Yes. And uh, eaten fried, they taste like bacon rind. So quite, quite delicious. Now, now the interesting. I'm sorry, I had your name down as Randall, and you've called yourself Leroy. Uh, Leroy's the first name. Randall's the second name. Ah, I beg your pardon. <laughs> um, now, fortunately, you find termites in great number, uh, but you'd have to eat a great number too. Yes, uh, they, they're quite large. Uh, they're about 2.5 uh, centimeters long. And uh, so one termite makes a nice bite-sized uh, morsel. And during the rainy season, just before the rainy season began, uh, the termites go out to establish new colonies, and you find them on the ground on the surface. Or you can dig them out of the termite uh, mounds as well. But uh, the African children particularly like them, and they're very nutritious. 
uh, they're short of protein in, in mm. Africa, mm. and so the uh, termites helped a lot. Mm-mm. Let's go to the great food bowl that is Africa. Arnie, hello. T- Arnie's just gone. Just done a brilliant introduction to Arnie because she was going to talk about flying ants. Hello. 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 <laughs> You're Arnie. Hi, Arnie. Yes, I'm Arnie. Hi. Flying ants when, are good, are they? Well, when we were children in the Transvaal in South Africa, mm-hmm. we used to wait for a particular time of the year, and around sunset it would be like a hailstorm on the tin roof, mm. and it would be the flying ants arriving in their millions. Oh. How fantastic. And you'd only have to go out, close your eyes and open your mouth and there's dinner. Well, they, I don't know if we did that. We used to go and get the drifts of them and put them on a shovel and hold them over a fire and they'd pop like popcorn. Did and you, then did you eat them or were you just being cruel? No, no, they'd dry and yeah. we'd eat them for about six or seven months and then wait for the next season. What did they taste like, Arnie? A bit like peanuts, but a bit sweeter than peanuts. Yeah. So but I think they were dry, it's on the fire, you know, and they'd sort of pop, so yeah. they, were, they were kind of nutty. Yeah, uh, Arnie, I'm getting a picture that a lot of these things like flying ants and termites, people describe them as tasting a bit nutty, uh, where, of course, uh, human beings, uh, we taste like chicken. Brenton says, did Peter swallow a bird to catch the spider? Very good. Let's go to Baz. We've got emails with Damien in a moment. Hello, Baz. Hello, Jess. How's it going? Yeah, good, thanks. What do you got uh, for us, I've Baz? eaten... Uh, um uh, honey ants. Yeah. And they're a beautiful taste. Yes. They're bush ants. Yeah. And because I'm partly indigenous. Yes. And uh, my, one of my great aunts uh, took me out of the bush and uh, fed, me, uh, fed me some uh, food I've never had before. And uh, Wedgley Grumps as well. Um, put it on the fire. But uh, I, when it was the ones which was uh, raw and still wiggly, I didn't like that one. <laughs> Um, Baz, it, it is curious though that Indigenous Australia uh, understands and uh, understood and understands that there is food all around us. Yeah. Um, would you only eat those things if you had to, or would you eat them out of choice? Do you think? I think um, out of choice. Uh, if you were in a situation, uh, you're living in the bush area, and your uh, your food supplies was you know normal food supplies were not available, um, you can live on it. And, uh, and survive really good. Yeah. That's nice to hear from you. This is Mornings with Jeff Hutchison. I think I might take the advice of the entomologist who said he had a pie for lunch. Damien, good morning. Good morning. You've had a witchetty grub ever? I have had a witchetty grub. I, I, I had one once at a, um, a, a, a barbecue out at Clontarf for yeah. NAIDOC Day. Yeah. And the guy, gave, the guy doing the barbecue gave me one just off the plate. It hadn't been cooked. And he just gave me and said, oh, try this. Very chalky, very flowery. Mm. And he said, what do you think of it? I said, very chalky, very flowery. He said, much better barbecued, mate. <laughs> uh, and I just think he was having me on. I yeah, think people are cruel to ponds, I find. I reckon. And it's how true. many restaurants have you been where you've actually seen cockroaches, but they haven't actually been on the menu? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's, that's exactly <laughs> Don't be too loud. Everyone will want one. You should never try and segue from... Uh, we're talking about cockroaches. Bernadette Young... No. Uh, yeah, she's a cockroach. <laughs> Something like that? No. No. Have you I wasn't a cockroach. I was a cane toad. Have you eaten insects before? Not on purpose, well, we had but a... I have accidentally chewed into something. No, I couldn't tell you what it was. We had a bloke named Pete a bit earlier who did it, I think, initially to impress his friends, but it was a world of cockroaches, snails and grubs. Oh. And, and he tells us they're okay, but his one piece of good advice to those of you who are interested is uh, don't eat a cockroach that you find underneath the fridge. Now, Out you in nature, he likes better. Kitchen appliances. <gasps> 
Today we're playing, I guess it's a bit of a game really, can you remember when you used to be able to use your oven, for instance, because mm. ovens were pretty straightforward, you know, it was just sort of, you know, low, high, mm. somewhere We've in between. We've still got a pretty daggy old one. Have you got a daggy old If you've got a new oven. Oh, I wish we did. Honestly, you really need to have a manual. Yeah. And if you lose that manual, you will never understand how to use the oven again. Particularly when the well, uh, even with an old oven, when the power goes off, you go oh. right. How do we reset the clock? And exactly. You have to go and find the instructions. <laughs> and again. the alarm just goes on yes. and on and beep beep beep, kind of reminding you that you need to fix this. I know that we're playing a bit of a game. Can you remember when? Because um, mm. Brad on the breakfast program was saying how he couldn't work out his. Um, I think it's a new television that he's got. He just could not yeah. work it out. Do, do you know what? we've got to um, buy a new washing machine? And it's a, we're getting a front loader because apparently they you know use less water and all that. And I went having a look at it, and I hate all the gadgetry. There's you know the more gadgets, the less I want them. But what's missing is that really robust clicking yeah. dial. Now they're all really sort of fine and, you know, I, I need to know that there's something mechanical. That's right, that's right. You want to turn it so they can know that it's working, yeah. that kind of thing. So the sheer bloody drudgery of doing the washing is apparent. <laughs> so that when it breaks down, you might be able to fix it. If it has a computer in it, then we're lost. That's right. We're completely lost. We'll never be able to do it. Something else that we're discussing today, a slightly more serious note, is we're looking at the topic of resilience. And often when we have talked about resilience on the program, we've talked about it from um, a kid's point of view. You know, you have to, we really want these children to be yep. resilient. But in actual fact, we all have to be resilient. And we're looking at the difference between resilience and stoicism. You know, because some oh, people yeah, think yeah, yeah. being stoic and, and especially, I think... Stoicism is stiff up a lip, isn't it? It's kind of putting up with something. Yeah, it and is. Saying, but it, it has its place. You yeah. know, there's times in life when you have got to put up yeah. with something and say, like, oh, I'm just putting up with it. But then there are other times in life when you need to be resilient. So what's the difference between stoicism and resilience? And how can you be both when you need to be? That's the kind of thing we're going to be discussing today. We're talking to um, a counsellor who, um, who knows a thing or two about this stuff. Bernadette will be here from 1 o'clock. I'll be back tomorrow. 8.30. I hope I have your company then. Till then, uru.